0: Welcome, everyone. If you're here for the first time, I just want to, you know, welcome you on behalf of the whole church. We're very glad to have you here today. And um, you're welcome just to uh, join our church family anytime that you like. You know, we're we, we are a family of God. So if you're a son or daughter of God, then we are brothers and sisters. You're welcome into our family. Today, uh, our senior pastors are preaching the word down in Los Angeles at some of the churches that we're related to. So um, you know, I'll be sharing with you today. But what really matters is not who is speaking, but that God is speaking through that person, and also that we open our hearts to receive whatever God is saying to us. So let's, let's pray today that, you know, we will all make use of this time. You know, the word of God is precious. So let's pray that God will open our hearts to receive um, his word. Father God, Lord, we want to humble ourselves and receive your word today we pray that you speak to us through your holy spirit and that you help us to realize what is true and what is the what are the things that we need to change in our lives please encourage us father god correct us guide us father give us new insight father god Give us wisdom how to deal with things, Father. I pray that you speak to each person through your Holy Spirit. And please anoint me, Father God, to preach your word without compromise. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, I just felt that, you know, when Pastor Arash was, was sharing, Um, I felt that, uh, we should read from second Peter chapter three, talking about the day of the Lord. I hadn't planned on this, but, uh, second Peter chapter three, starting at verse eight to 12, verse eight, starting at verse eight, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness, means his promise to return. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. A thief doesn't tell you when he's going to come, right? He comes when you don't expect it. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Wow, it's so amazing to think that all these things that, that we see here will be gone one day. Since everything will be destroyed this way, in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? If everything's going to be gone, what does it mean for you? How does it change your life? Since every, oh, you ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. I like I like that that version. It says speed its coming. So we look forward to the day when God is going. To, Jesus is going to return, and we want to speed its coming. So. You know um one of the things that that uh God has been speaking to me recently is that you know I need to be um, you know always looking forward because the time is short i you know my birthday is next month and i'm I'm getting older I'm going to be thirty six and uh <laughs> I know it seems very old. I was I was really shocked when Tanita turned thirty. I was like, "Wait, Tanita's (laughs) thirty? What's going on here?" (laughs) That means I'm thirty (laughs) six. Okay. Um, You know, even as you know, all we all get older. I know many of you are much, you know, more more mature, and you've been Christians even longer than than I have. Let's remind ourselves to not become cynical. Or not become, you know, take things for granted. Or say, hey, I've seen that before. Or I know what to expect like that. This is going to be like 15 years ago. You know, this is going to be like 20 years ago. I remember something like this. It's just going to be the same old thing again. No. Let's let's not do like that. Let's look forward to the day of God. And not just say, oh, everything's going on just as it always has. But let's realize that God is bringing his plan to fruition. And he's bringing it to a close. And we ought to look forward to that day. And we've got to do everything that we can to speed its coming. So in our church, we have a vision. And I think all of you know the vision because... We've been talking about it so much. But we also have a short version of it. So um, the reason we have a short version of it is so that it's something for easy for all of us to remember. And then we can communicate it to other people when they ask. So the short version, you may have uh, heard it because it's not a secret and we've, we've had it before. We just haven't talked about it all the time. Is Our vision is to build glorious churches holy and blameless in our generation. It's pretty short, right? To build glorious churches, holy and blameless in our generation. To build means that there's a plan. When Paul uh, planted churches, he had a plan in mind. He knew where he was going with that church. Even before, before there was a, a church started, he had like, a, like an architect makes out an architectural drawing. You don't see, like, the construction guys going and just going to a construction site, and they don't have any plan. They're just kind of build as they go, right? That would be bad, Frank, right? <laughs> because Frank is an architect. That would be very bad, right? They, they have to have a plan, an architect, and somebody to conceive of what it's going to, the building is going to look like, even before they get started. In the same way, we want to build churches, not just, you know, haphazardly throw a bunch of material together, but we, we have an idea of what the church ought to look like. We want to build glorious churches. And we take this word from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 28, 27, 28. It says, God, I mean, Jesus gave himself up for the church to present her to himself as a glorious church, holy and blameless. So we want to be that bride that Jesus is looking forward to meet. You know, that bride is ready to meet him. When you think of a, a bride, a bride gets, pre- spends time to prepare herself so that she's ready when the groom comes. You don't hear of any bride that, you know, wakes up at 11 o'clock, 11 a.m. on the day that she's going to get married. And then, ah! you know, maybe it puts her hair in a ponytail and then goes to the church. Right. No, they don't do that. They get ready. They prepare themselves, you know, so that they're, they're beautiful and, and ready to get married. And when they get married, it's something that everybody celebrates. It's a, it's a thing that, it's a happy occasion. So, in the same way, we want to be a glorious church and we want to build the glorious churches, the churches, the church that Jesus is going to come back to, to meet. It doesn't mean just our local church, right? We want, we're going to be part of the church. The universal church, the bride that, that, that he's going to be back to me. I'm not saying that our church, local church, is the, the only church. The local church is the local manifestation of the, of the universal church. So we are just one local church. There are other local churches all throughout this city and all over the world. We want to build glorious churches that are holy and blameless. How many people can say you're holy and blameless? It's tough. It's hard. By the by the sanctifying blood of Jesus. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> you know, we, we are holy and blameless. But day by day, we need to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. And even as Christians that have been sanctified by his blood, we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's why Jesus promised the Holy Spirit. And he said that, you know, John baptized with you with water. But the one who comes after me this is sorry this is what john said will baptize you with fire and with the holy spirit and his winnowing fork will be in his hand and he will burn up all the chaff and bring the wheat into his barn and in malachi chapter 3 it says that jesus he himself is like the refiner's fire and he's preparing his uh, his priests to bring in an acceptable sacrifice before him. The Holy Spirit is like the refiner's fire that cleans up the impurities, all of the dross. I watched a documentary about how they make it a, made this Viking sword. And this Viking sword was a really uh, cool sword. It had like a very modern type of steel with very few impurities. And they said in order to get the steel to be that strong, that pure, They had to heat it up to 30,000 degrees Fahrenheit. So they showed how they, how they, uh, built that crucible, that crucible steel. And they, they had a little clay jar and they put the steel ingots from it. They said they got the steel ingots from Persia because that was the only place where you could, you could get that, that, that type of steel. So the guys in Persia, they knew how to, how to make this crucible steel. They would put the, the iron ingots in there and then they would put, um, some ash or some coal—that's the adds carbon to make steel—and then they would put some glass and some sand. That it would the impurities would stick to those that glass and sand, and then they would seal up that little that little jar container, and they would put it in the in the bottom of this kind of this bigger um, brick brick kiln, and then there was no no cracks at all. And then they would build up the the bricks over it, and then they would cover the whole thing. And then they had two really big bellows, like this. And they just pushed the air into this small vent. Oh, I'm sorry, the whole thing was filled with, um, with coal. And so they would run these bellows for, like, many days until the, the thing it had reached 30,000 degrees Fahrenheit. And by that time, all of the... the the iron ingot had melted entirely, and all of the impurities in in the in the iron had had gone out, and it had melded with the carbon to become this steel. So that gave me an idea what it was talking about in Malachi chapter three, where it's talking about He Himself is the Refiner's Fire. So Jesus is our Refiner's Fire. He, the Spirit of Jesus burns his people out so that we can say, yes, we are holy and blameless. And we want to do this in our generation. We want to build glorious churches, holy and blameless in our generation. It means that we want to take responsibility for it. Not just, you know, say that sometime maybe our grandchildren will, will do this. We want, to, we want to take responsibility as far as possible. God has given us These resources, these lives, however many years he gives us, he gives us our intellect, our abilities, our strength to be able to finish his work that he's given us. We want to do it in our generation. So I just, you know, God has been speaking to me recently that, you know, Tyson, hey, don't take things for granted. Don't just go, you know, Pastor Lau, he likes to talk, he studied French. So he he always thinks back to that French song, Que sera sera, you know, whatever will be, will be. So don't do that. We don't want to do that. But we want to say, Yes, Lord, here I am, send me. Whatever you've called me to do in my life, I want to do it. So that's, I just wanted to share that a little bit with you. I think, um, you know, God is, he wants to speak to our. Our church, the, the same thing, like Pastor, Lau, I mean, Pastor Arash shared, you know, God it wants to do something in the church in America. Amen. Okay, now, so I kind of get ready for the sermon. <laughs> okay, now we're ready. <laughs> Let's look at um, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 through 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 through 5. I hope all you young people still know how to use an actual Bible. <laughs> not just your phones. I'm still not convinced. <laughs> there are some, some, some things that the, the e-Bible is, is better for. But the um, other things, I, th- I still think it's important to know how to use the actual physical Bible. I hope you know. If you know, that's good. All right. Just saying. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 through 5. Chapter 4, 1 through 5. This, then, is how you ought to regard us, as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. I care very little if I am judged by you or any human court. Indeed, I don't even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that doesn't make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. So Paul, he was talking to the Corinthian church and they were saying, well, I follow Paul and I follow Apollos and I follow Peter. And some people were saying, well, I follow Jesus. But Paul saying, hey, why are you comparing Apollos and me and, and these other guys? He says, how can you compare us? Because we're each servants of the same master, but we've been given different tasks. He said, my job is to lay the foundation, to plant the church. Apollos' job is to water that church and to build on that foundation. So it doesn't make sense to compare the two. It's like apples and oranges. Why are you comparing Paul and Apollos at all? He says, what matters is that each is faithful to the task that has been given to him. In the same way, we should never compare ourselves with others. We shouldn't compare, that person doesn't measure up to me, or I don't measure up to that person, or this person doesn't measure up to this person. Don't do any of that. Why not? Because they're each servants who have been given a specific task and calling. Therefore, you can't compare the two. I think it's it's uh, you know all men are created equal in terms of the inalienable inalienable rights that God has given us. That's the American interpretation, but I think it's true. God, all men are created equal in the sight of God, but we've been born in different places and at different times and with different abilities. Okay? I mean, it's just, it's just true. Some people are, are born into a, a poor family. Some people are born into a rich family. Some people are born... You know, some of us are better looking than others. Okay? <laughs> you know? So, we've, we've all been born and we've been all born at different times and different places and in different circumstances. And... God has given us different different gifts and abilities, and he's given us different tasks to accomplish. And therefore, we can't compare one to the other. So don't compare yourself to somebody else. Don't compare somebody else to, to you, saying, hey, they, I'm judging them because they don't measure up to me, my, me, my standard. Well, that doesn't make sense because God has given you different Different callings and abilities and and giving them different things as well. So don't do that. Let's look at John chapter 20, verse 18 to 22. John 20, 18 to 22. This is uh, after Jesus had died and he had resurrected. And he had been with, He's kind of hung around with his disciples um, on and off for a period of days before he was taken up to heaven. And at this time, he had a heart-to-heart talk with Peter. And he said, Peter, I want to ask you a question. Do you love me? And Peter said, yes, Lord, I love you. And he asked him three times, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, Lord, I love you. And Peter was grieved because he knew he had denied Jesus three times. And now Jesus was asking him three times if he loved him. And he says, very truly, I tell you, when you were younger... You dressed yourself and went where you wanted, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. In fact, Peter was crucified by Nero, but he didn't want to be crucified in the same way as Jesus, so he was crucified, inverted, upside down in in Rome. Then he said to him, follow me. Jesus said to Peter, follow me, you follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This is the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? It was John who was writing the book, right? The, uh, the, the gospel of John. When Peter saw him, John, he asked, Lord, what about him? What about John? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. So you can see, if we ask God, Lord, what about this person? What about this person? Do you know what Jesus is going to answer? He's going to say, what is that to you? You follow me. <laughs> it's always the same. We need to think about the race That God has given us to run. The fight. That God has given to us to fight. You notice. These two analogies. Are what Paul used. At the end of his life. He said. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. Both of these things. They require endurance. Both of them are not easy. Both of them come to an end. Where either you win or you don't. The task the calling that God calls us to, each of us, is a unique challenge, and it's unique to each of us. We can't compare ourselves to others because we don't know what it's like to be in those other people's shoes. We don't know the, about the race that God has given them to run. All we need to do is remember, what is the race that God has given me to run? Don't ever wonder, oh, I wonder what it would be like if, if this. Or I wonder what would have happened if, you know, this had happened. Things that you don't have any control over. Don't do that. Don't do that. It's, it's, not, uh, it's not, you know, worth anything. Only think that how can I be faithful to what God has called me to and what he has laid before me. What are the things that God has given to you to be faithful about? Your family, your spouse, your abilities, your intellect, your strength, your time. To me, there are lots of things. The answer is as many as people we have here. But there are three things that I can think of that are very important. First is people. Each person is very important. Whatever God has given us to do, I believe it has to involve people in some way. Jesus came to die for people. He didn't come to die for an organization or or a movement or anything like that. He came to die for individuals. He loves each person. He loves each one of us. Jesus came to die for people. We ought to care about people in some way I never regret or feel bad about the time that I spend with people I hope you don't either you should look every time you go to care group don't think oh I'm wasting another care group or you know I have to go to a care group look look at it this way that hey I get to go and I could get to build up my brothers and sisters I get to love my brothers and sisters even if we may not like people, I think we have to admit that we wouldn't want to see them, you know, fall away one day. To be eternally apart from, from God. That's one of those things that literally you say you wouldn't wish on your worst enemy. Right? I hope, I hope you all can, can agree to that. Even if you may not like person, but you don't want that to happen to them. Because each person is so important. Each person is so valuable. Their eternal soul. We have to be concerned about their eternal souls. So people is one thing that, you know, God has given us is, has to be part of the trust, I believe, that God has given to each of us. The second thing that I think is common to all of us is our relationship with God. You know, as we run this race, as we fight this fight, we can use the challenges. God, actually, he doesn't want you to accomplish a specific thing as much as he wants you to change. Have you guys heard heard that? You know, he, he, he uses these things because he wants to see us change. He wants to see us rely on him more. He wants to see us more humble. Before him and before other people. More loving. He's using these things to change us. If we go through and we're like the most mighty servant of God. And we accomplish all of these things. But if we're not changing. If we're not drawing closer to God. If we're not becoming more like God. I believe that we've failed. God wants to use all of these things. To draw us closer to him. It may be. Some of us have some inner struggles that nobody else knows about. Maybe it's a struggle with some addiction. Maybe it's a struggle with some thoughts or some depression. And you struggle with it and nobody else understands. But you know what? God knows. And God understands. And all of heaven knows and is watching. And they're cheering you on. And if one day you go to meet Jesus, and through that you became very close in your relationship with him, I believe he's going to give you the thumbs up. He's going to say, well done. Because that was part of your task and your assignment. And you see, these are the things that we don't know. That's why we can't compare ourselves to other people. Because we don't know what's going on with other people. But God knows. Another thing that I think is very important is the church. The church is central to the plan of God. The time and energy that we spend helping people, serving one another in the church is is invaluable. Do you know that each of you is like a body part in the church? You're like a little pinky or like a little toe. I heard that if you don't have your big toe, you can't. It's, it's really hard. You can't, like, run and stuff. Right? So even the big toe is important. I don't know about the little toe. So, <laughs> because, but I think it's true about the big toe. <laughs> so, but uh, sorry to joke. Uh, but all of you are an invaluable member of the body. Paul uses that analogy twice in his letters. He says, we are the body of Christ. So the church is important. Anything that you do in the church, I think is very, very valuable. So God gives us each a specific and unique calling, task, assignment, because we are all his servants. The second thing I want to look back at first Corinthians chapter four and read verse three and four. Paul says, I care very little if I am judged by you or any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Paul said he was only concerned about one person's approval. Who is that? Jesus, his Lord. Now, does this mean that he didn't care what other people thought? No. He says that he tried to win people over as much as was possible. He tried not to stumble other people. But he did those things in order to please Jesus. So living to please Jesus doesn't mean that you don't care about what other people think. But it just means that you, you, you care about what other people think because you want to please Jesus. Jesus. All of us have a desire for approval, especially, I think, um, you know, when, when we're younger, like when we're in middle school and high school, typically, you know, all of us feel that way. Some of you may have been, you know, uh, different, but normally, you know, we, we, we care about, you know, what other people think about us. Are we, you know, wearing the right clothes or hanging out with the right people? Are we at the right lunch table? <laughs> you know, Um we want, we want people to think that we 're cool, you know that, that we 're normal, whatever that means, that we 're happy, that we 're smart, you know people to laugh at our jokes we want the approval of others. Why is that why why does the approval of other people matter so much i'm I don't know. <laughs> you tell me. Why does the pe- approval of people matter so much? Why is it so important? It's, it's this hunger that, that we, we have in this. And I think all of, you know, all of your answers are, are right. It's like, but my, it's kind of a rhetorical question is like, actually, it shouldn't matter that much. It shouldn't matter that much especially you know if if you're a young lady or a, you know a guy and and you have this guy or girl that you like and then you find out oh they like me you got to really be careful because um in in you know sometimes what can happen in relationships is that you want that person to like you so much that you kind of make it you know the justifying your existence So I hope if you're a young person, never take the approval of your boyfriend or girlfriend or whoever it is that that you think you like. Never make that like the, you know, overriding factor in what you do in your life. Because if you do, you're kind of off balance in your life. You're not able to keep balance in, in, in your life. It shouldn't matter that much. On the other hand, Paul, he said, I don't even judge myself. So some people may say that, hey, what matters is that you feel good about yourself. Right? And usually as we get older, we're kind of like older and and proud of our accomplishments and, you know, self-satisfied. And then because we think, yeah, I've accomplished all of this, you know, I've achieved a certain level of success in my career? Have you seen the car in my garage? You know, and we're proud of ourselves, and we're self satisfied, and we pass approval on ourselves. But Paul says, hey, I don't even judge myself. In Jeremiah 17, verse 9, it says the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? It's our hearts are deceitful. Whether we give ourselves approval or whether we think we're the worst thing ever. You know, it could go either way, right? We shouldn't pass judgment on ourselves in any any way because our hearts are deceitful. Our hearts may, we may think to ourselves, yeah, I'm so great. Or we may think to ourselves, oh, you know, I'm so terrible. You know, I'm worthless. But both of those things are wrong. We shouldn't judge ourselves. Who judges us? The Lord. We must live for the approval of the Lord. And until you learn to do this, your life is not going to be in balance. But when you do learn to do this, you're going to be like a steady ship with a very, you know, even keel. And just sailing through the waters. Because you know Whose approval you're gunning for? You're looking to approve the approval of God, not of men. Let's look at Matthew chapter six, verse one through six. It said, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your father in heaven. So when you give to the needy. and he's also talking about having the right focus. That you want to seek, you're seeking God's approval and not other people's approval. So God's approval is what counts. Okay, let's look at the last thing that Paul is saying in First Corinthians chapter 4. Let's look at First Corinthians chapter 4 verse 5. He says, Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. So Paul says, hey, don't judge yet. Wait. Wait until Jesus comes. Because Jesus is uniquely qualified. God is uniquely qualified. Because he can look into our hearts. And he can test our motives. And he can bring out. What is in hidden in darkness. Into the light. None of us can do this. God knows us. Even better than we know ourselves. So look forward to the time. When, when Jesus is going to come to judge us. I hope. That all of us. Can look forward to that time. If we feel a little uncomfortable, then, you know, you need to get right with God. Because you shouldn't have to feel that way. You can be right with God and look forward to his coming and not have like a, Ooh, Jesus is going to come back. He's going to judge me. You know, you shouldn't have to feel that way. You can look forward to the coming of Jesus. Jesus. You can look forward to meeting him face to face. First of all, you do it by simply trusting in him for salvation. It's really as simple as that. You trust in him for salvation. You don't trust on your own good works. You don't um, trust in anything else. You cry out to the Lord, Lord, save me, and he will save you. That's the first thing you do. And then you try to follow him. You walk with him. Just, just as Jesus said to Peter, follow me. You try to follow Jesus. You have the relationship with the Holy Spirit. And day by day, you're obedient to what he tells you to do. And then you know that when, when he comes, he's going to say to you, good and faithful servant. And he says, here is reward, your reward. Well done. So I want to I wanna be like that. It's it's very simple. You can look forward to the time of Jesus in his coming. God is qualified to judge. I've heard that there is a a Chinese saying, I don't know if it's popular or not, but it says that uh you say you're right, I say I'm right. But who's right? Only God knows. Right? (laughs) So, so, um, but only God knows. Only God is qualified to judge. Only God knows the truth of of who is right and not. He looks inside of our hearts. We should look forward to it. You know, if you get uncomfortable about God judging you, oh, you got to be you got to wonder, because God is able to judge everything correctly. God is the only one. If I, wanted, if I could choose anybody in the entire universe to judge me, I would want God to judge me, because he can judge me correctly. Let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. It says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord doesn't look at the thing. God doesn't look at the things that people look at. We look at what? What do we look at? Fame. How popular are you? Looks. You know, are you, uh, are you funny? You know, how much money do you have? Where do you work? What do you do? You know, when I was on the East Coast, it was so annoying. Like, every time you go to a party, it's like, where do you work? What do you do? You know, it's like. (laughs) I just sit around at home. (laughs) So annoying. (laughs) We're a little less toned down. I mean, we're a little more toned down here in Seattle, which is cool. But the Lord does not look at the things people look at. He judges us different, differently than, than people people do. Paul says that God uncovers the hidden things. He brings the things in darkness out into the light. He tests the motives of our heart. We get an idea. This means that we're going to be surprised on that day. And we're, we get an idea when Jesus is observing the people putting things into the temple treasury. Jesus is there and he sees a small, I mean, a young. Uh, or just a widow, a poor widow, putting two small copper coins into the temple treasury. And he says, you see that lady? She just put in two small copper coins, yet she is given more than all these others. Paul, Jesus knew what task she had been given. He knew that he, she couldn't be judged by the same The same standard as these other people. Because this woman. Those two copper coins represented all she had to live on. Whereas these other people. Who were very rich. Were putting in big bags. And it didn't mean anything. Because they were giving out of their wealth. So we will be surprised on that last day. God looks at faithfulness. Let's look at last verse in Matthew nineteen twenty-eight to 30. Matthew nineteen twenty-eight to 30. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you, will, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or fields, for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. but many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. We can expect surprises in heaven because we don't understand how God judges things because we don't see everything. You know, um, last year. A sister who many of you know, Mary Mary Kay, she she passed on, and I was really humbled at her memorial service because so many people came up to give testimonies about how she was faithful with what God had given her in her in her life. She grew up in a home and she, she went to the Catholic church, but she had a hunger to know about God. So she eventually she was able to. After her children were grown up, and she took her, what, like six or six children or something like that. It was, um, I think it was six six kids, and she did the best that she could. You know, and she and her faithful were, were she and her husband were faithful, you know, in uh, to serve in the church as best as they knew how. After her children were grown up, she came to know the power of the Holy Spirit. And she said, what can I do? And so she even went to Czechoslovakia, into China, to try to spread the gospel. Um, she had to come back here because uh, of some health problems. But even, you know, in, um, in her day-to-day, she depended on the Lord for, for her day-to-day needs. And t- she did what she could. She, we had one testimony about somebody who um, Mary Kay had evangelized to them, shared the good news with them on the bus on the metro bus. Other people shared how she had been uh, helpful in, in counseling, um, counseling them for, uh, for a long time. So I think that, you know, one day when we go to heaven, we will see Mary Kay receive the good reward. And, you know... I, I hope that, you know, it, it gives you hope. And this is something that you can be glad about. Is that we have a just God. And all things will be judged fairly and justly. And that you who are persevering in doing the right thing, even though nobody else sees, God sees. And he will reward you. Therefore, do not give up your hope but to continue to persevere. Don't worry about, you know, the approval of other people or, you know, your job position or where you work or all of these things, how much money you have, you know, what kind of thing, nice things that you have. Only think about one thing, the approval of God. And no, look forward to the time when Jesus is going to come. Anticipate his coming and his judgment. So that's basically, um, you know, my, my message to you today. And I want to give all of you a chance if you feel that, yeah, I want to look forward to the coming of Jesus. But before you may have been a little unsure, I want to give you an opportunity now to say, Jesus, I trust in you. Please help me. Speak to me day by day by the Holy Spirit so that I can obey you. And then I will look forward to your coming one day. If anybody would like to, to say that, to know that you can look forward to the coming of Jesus, please uh, pray with me. I, I, will, I will lead you in, in the prayer. Let, let's, let's all um, you know, bow our heads. But if you want to say that, Please, please pray with me. Lord Jesus, I trust in you for my salvation. I don't trust in myself. I need your Holy Spirit. Please speak to me. Guide me and empower me. So that I can look forward to meeting you. That one day I will meet you face to face. Lord help me to be faithful. Be with me every day. Be with me when I wake up. And when I go to sleep. Help me to know you more. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Um, if you, uh, if you want to talk with me or come, you know, come pray with me. I will be up here. We are going to have lunch today. Everybody is welcome to join our lunch. It's free. You may as well stay here because you're already here, and we're gonna set up the tables. So please be patient. We're going to bring the tables in and, and set them up. The line will start at the double doors and go outside. Yeah. Again, if you'd like to come, you know, if you want me to pray for you, anything, please come up to the front. God bless you.